0: Hello and welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for watching us on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and Red Voice Media, and for listening on New Hampshire Family Radio, WLMW, 90.7 FM, Manchester, New Hampshire, KKVV Radio in Las Vegas, Real Talk 93.3, The Voice of Freedom in St. Louis, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like us on your station, email us at taryn at wethepatriotsusa.org did you know that the medical industry considers unborn babies patients and every patient has patient rights so why doesn't society and why does that exception apply with abortions well today we're going to replay a very important episode with pro-life OBGYN dr bill lyle today we are welcoming Pro life doctor, Dr. William Lyle, who's a pro life OBGYN, to take another look, a slightly different look than you see in the mainstream media toward. Breast Cancer Awareness Month, just trying to get you to think a little bit outside the box of the mainstream. We're going to talk about the link between abortion and breast cancer, but then we're also going to talk about the sanctity and humanity of life, which was lost. That whole concept has been on, um, you know, has been threatened for many decades now here in the United States, but was completely lost during the COVID 19 pandemic. And we are highlighting that in our upcoming film, Shot Dead, which we are, if you're watching us on, on our We the Patriots USA Rumble channel or on Red Voice Media Network. You are seeing we have the uh, studio Red now leaning up to the debut and premiere of this documentary film that I'm humbled to direct and produce. And, um, you know, this is a this is a topic, the sanctity of human life, how that was completely discarded um, during the rollout of the COVID-19 shot and how um, just, you know, how this was pushed on pregnant women and, and, you know, all of their, the, the miscarriages and the, the stillbirths and everything like that, just collateral damage apparently for, um, those that, that rolled out this vaccine and others that were pushing this. And, um, we highlight that in the documentary, but, you know, it's just a constant theme on this show. And so I'm so excited to get to the core of the sanctity of life and how patients, unborn babies, are treated as patients in the medical setting. So why are they not seen um, as life then uh, by the majority of society? And this is going to be a fantastic conversation with Dr. William Lyle, who came into his practice in Pensacola. It was the number one provider of abortions in Pensacola, and he turned that around and is now a pro-life OBGYN. I cannot wait to talk to him in just a moment here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson. This episode is brought to you by The Carnivore Bar, providing a fuel source for ancestral carnivore, paleo and keto eaters who value their on-the-go autonomy without sacrificing quality nutrition. For 10% off, use code Patriots at CarnivoreBar.com. That's WETHEPATRIOTS with an S at CarnivoreBar.com for 10% off. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Here from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Dr. Lyle, thank you so much for joining the show and for doing so on a busy day where you brought multiple lives into the world. That's amazing.
1: Well, it's an honor to be with you. Yes, we did three repeat C-sections this morning, and we did two other surgeries this afternoon, but it's an honor to just be able to share how we treat the pre-born as patients, and all patients have rights, and I love my patients. I would do anything for my patients, for the moms that come into my office, but i also do anything to defend the lives of my patients that are still in the womb. So it's exciting to be able to share this information and really provide everybody with new tools that they can use to defend the pre-born when they're talking with family or friends. We don't want the battle for life to be whoever yells the loudest wins or whoever is the most intimidating wins. We want this to be really a discussion covered with the facts, realizing it's a spiritual battle, but provide the pro-life side tools that they can use to defend, defend God's pre-born in the womb.
0: I love your enthusiasm for this. I love your um, enthusiasm and your love for these babies, these unborn babies, the moms, um, the women and everyone that come into your practice. And I love these tools that you're that you're speaking on. We had author Gregory Kokel on uh, sometime last year talking. This is one of the uh, subjects, you know, arming Christians with tactics um, and discussion topics, ways that you can talk to people, ask them questions, you know, kind of get them to explain to you their train of thought on things and, and offer up love to them. And, you know, before we get into that topic of a, um, unborn baby as a patient, I think that is so key. And I can't wait to dive into that. I do want to talk briefly on the link. There's been, you know, articles here and there talking about the link between abortion and breast cancer. Is this something that the medical community talks about the OBGYN community?
1: Well, it's something that we discuss because we know that between one in eight and one in nine women will develop breast cancer sometime during their lives. But with just like any other research, when you have something that's that common, you can't just look at one variable and say, aha, that is the one cause of breast cancer. There are chemicals, there are medications, there's antidepressants, antibiotics, so many different medications that we are all on throughout our lives. Is there possibly an association between having an elective termination of pregnancy and abortion and later developing breast cancer? Yeah, there's at least an association. And at the very least, it deserves to be looked into more carefully because this is a big killer of women and it is a huge factor in their lives. And even as far as mechanisms of action, we know that when a woman gets diagnosed with breast cancer, one of the things we do is, well what type of cancer where is it spread and what are the hormone receptors estrogen receptor progesterone receptors what are the genetics and we do genetics of the of the actual genes of the cancer but when we look at you know the cancer itself with hormones it's like well how does that affect the development of the of the cancer is it just whether they were exposed to hormones when they were maybe on birth control pills with, when they were younger maybe um, is it because of the hormones during pregnancy? Maybe. Is it the fact that there was a lot of change going on in the breast tissue itself? Because the breasts are designed, obviously, to produce milk to, for lactation of the baby. So when a woman has her first pregnancy, there are a lot of structural and cellular changes which occur with the breasts. The breasts are not just fat cells. The breasts are ducts. They are glands. There's lots of different cells. And when all of a sudden, especially in that first pregnancy, when there's a lot of change going on in these cells and they're moving in a new direction, but then abruptly without the body planning it, all of a sudden the, whole, the pregnancy stops with, by having an abortion. You can have cells that were making change to become a different type of cell, but all of a sudden they now have no direction. It's like, the pregnancy isn't occurring anymore. I don't know. I was in the middle of kind of like you're in the middle of changing lanes on the highway, but then you lost the direction. So when it comes to breast cancer and having an abortion, it's at least an association that deserves a little bit more research. So you can't say that everybody who has an abortion will develop breast, ca- breast cancer, but you also can't say that, There's absolutely no link between any kind of abortion with later developing breast cancer. I mean, true science is going to look at the middle and it's going to say, okay, is there an association and look at the data? We don't want true science is always going to be accurate. I mean, God's the creator of true science and the scientific method. The problem is we have a lot of really screwed up scientists who interpret, you can give me a bunch of data. And I can pretty much find whatever I want in that data. But going in with an unbiased you know, mentality where you don't want to look for a conclusion, you want to look at the data and have the data guide you towards that conclusion. So when it comes to so many women have had an abortion before, but then when you look at one in eight to one in nine women sometime in their lives will develop breast cancer, those women deserve to have the facts have the answers and for us to do the research to have them make informed choices.
0: I agree, that's um, such a key Point in there, and for you know, women, so many I feel like are misled whenever they do go in for their abortions, and they're told that it is a safe um, procedure. And on for many different reasons, it's not. And this is just another one of those reasons. I mean, obviously, women do have miscarriages that that in their pregnancies um, and everything, but this makes so much sense that it's happening. um, You know, not for any natural reason that took place. Um, You are electively. Unnaturally ending a pregnancy. And so um, I I appreciate you breaking it all down like that. We're going to talk on the other side of the break here about, you know, treating the unborn as patients in the medical realm and how we can talk about that on the greater scale of, you know, being pro life out here. So in just one moment here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson. All right, you guys, a couple of weeks ago, I introduced you to the wellness company and their medical emergency kits. Well, you know, I also wanna talk to you guys about the spike formula that they have because it's the only product that contains ingredients researched to block and dissolve COVID spike protein in the bloodstream. Whether you had to get the shot, whether you had COVID or you just never fully got over it, you're watching the research pouring in about vaccine shedding, spike protein is a serious concern for some. And while we won't truly know the extent of these effects for years to come. There is something you can do now to protect yourself and keep you and your family well. The wellness company says take spike protein daily to combat spike proteins and get back to that pre-COVID feeling. Go to twc.health WTPUSA and use code WTPUSA to save 10% at checkout. That's twc.health WTPUSA, code WTPUSA for 10% off. And we welcome back in Dr. William Lyle to Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson talking about the sanctity of life. Tell us about how all patients have rights, including patients that are unborn and still in the womb.
1: Well, the first thing is from the moment of conception, this is a different person. So when you hear somebody say, it's my body, it's my choice. Well, it's not your body. I mean, half the time from that first cell when one sperm and one egg get together, we know whether it is a boy or it is a girl. So half the time, it is a boy. So if the mom is sitting there at 60 trillion cells, every one of the the, uh, cells that has a nucleus is XX chromosome, yet there's this one little cluster. And at 10 weeks, there's over a billion cells in that little developing, growing baby. And if it's a boy, Every one of those nucleated cells is XY. So when the mom says, my body, my choice, how is it there's a billion cells, which all have different genetics, but the babies can even have different blood types than the mom. The baby is a combination between the mother and the father. And From when there is just one cell, that baby is genetically unique from mom, dad, and the other 7 billion people on the planet. They are very unique. And then there's something called cellular differentiation, which is absolutely a miracle. When that one cell forms as a combination from one cell from the mom and one cell from the dad, that one cell has DNA. It has that whole nucleus and it has all these millions of pages of genetic material, the blueprints on who we're going to be. And the cells start to, dis- to divide. You have one cell, then 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64. And then as the cells are dividing, all of a sudden, they're all exact copies. And then one cell will say, you know what? I don't want to be just like the rest of you. I want to do my own thing. And somehow, by some miracle, this one cell says, I'm going to start the entire cardiovascular system from here on. I have all these millions of pages of DNA. But I'm going to only read these chapters. And another cell says, well, we can do our own thing. And this cell says, well, I'm going to start the entire neurologic system. And another one says, I'm going to start the entire skeletal system. I can tell you what's going to happen on day 12 and what's going to happen on day 13. But how these individual cells know what their job and their role is going to be is absolutely amazing. And the development, I mean, you can spend a lifetime studying the anatomy. But how this goes from one cell and cell differentiation, when you have that kind of a design, you just know there had to be a designer. It doesn't just happen that way to develop this baby. But the babies are different people. In fact, one of the amazing treatments that we use for the babies in the womb to save their lives is we're now routinely doing blood transfusions to babies in the womb, and we've done that as early as 18 weeks at my hospital. Well, why would a baby need a blood transfusion? Because if they have a different blood type, the mom and the baby will have different types and the mom can develop antibodies, which can actually cross the placenta and start to attack the baby's blood. A lot of people don't know, but the mom's blood and the baby's blood They don't mix together. They come real close and they transfer everything the baby needs. It gets from the mom. Everything the baby needs to get rid of, it gives back to the mom, but they don't mix. And when moms have antibodies, which can attack the baby's blood, the baby's blood count starts to drop. Well, if you were in an accident or had a bad laceration, your blood count was low. We would give you a unit of blood. Well, the same thing happens with the babies in the womb. And we can actually tell with a special ultrasound test of a, in the brain of something called the middle cerebral artery. We can actually tell if a baby is starting to get a low blood count and needs to get some blood. Well, if the baby's term, you can just deliver the baby. What do you do when the baby can't even survive on the outside? We give these babies a blood transfusion. We guide a needle with an ultrasound through the skin of the mom, through the wall of the uterus, and we go right into the umbilical vein Of the umbilical cord and we already have calculated out how much blood to give that baby to save that baby's life but here's the biblical aspect of this when jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment he said love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul and your neighbor as yourself well if your next door neighbor needed a blood unit to save your neighbor's life you would give your neighbor a unit of blood so the baby in the womb is your neighbor. And if you knew this baby was going to die without your blood, sure, you would give this baby a unit of blood. If somebody here in Pensacola donates a unit of blood to our blood bank at one blood and they have O negative blood, we could have used that one unit of blood, transfuse it to a baby in the womb and save that baby's life. That is fulfilling the greatest commandment by treating our neighbors as ourselves. But giving a blood transfusion to a baby is just scratching the surface because it's amazing. We are having new advances every month on how we are surgically treating the babies in the womb, how we are saving their lives, and it's becoming routine. We used to call the specialty maternal fetal medicine. Now, a lot of these centers just say, we're the fetal medicine center. We practice fetal medicine where their emphasis is on The baby in the womb that is their patient they're like yep the mother is important but the baby is their patient and so they are saving the lives and that's where they are focused we all have been a patient i'm sorry go taryn
0: i was just going to say that just further um you know emphasizes this concept of everyone you know everyone having patient rights and there are whole centers Focused around unborn babies and their need uh, for medical care. And so it just further highlights that an unborn baby has patient rights, um, just like you or I would, and how that therefore means that they are a life and they are treated as such in the medical community, except for. When it comes to abortion, that's the only time when then they electively um, decide to terminate and to kill that baby. And so we're going to talk more about some of these stories that you have, because this anecdotal, uh, these anecdotal stories just tug at your heartstrings. And it's such a way to connect with people person to person on how to talk about this topic. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more here on the other side of the break on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson breaking news and a case update from We the Patriots USA. In what could be one of the most important medical freedom cases in our lifetimes, if not ever, in April of 2021, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont signed into law an act eliminating religious exemptions to mandatory school vaccinations at all public and private schools in the state. This week, we the Patriots USA filed a cert petition with the SCOTUS asking the justices to hear our appeal of the second surrogate's dismissal of our religious exemption lawsuit. If four justices vote to hear our appeal, WTP USA will be appearing before the nation's highest court as it considers for the first time ever whether a state may deny religious exemptions to vaccinations without violating the Constitution if we the Patriots USA is victorious this case could restore religious exemptions not only in Connecticut but other states where they've been lost such as California New York and Maine but we need your help help us fuel this landmark case at we the slash donate Welcome back into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. We are joined by Dr. William Lyle. He is an OBGYN, a pro-life OBGYN. We're talking about how patient rights and how unborn babies have patient rights. You guys do so many different surgeries. We were just talking about blood transfusions for babies. Um, There are so many other Magnificent medical advances that you guys are doing to save the lives of these babies, while others, uh, other centers are terminating and killing babies um, for no good reason at all. And so, I appreciate you speaking up about this topic. It's so important, and for shedding light on the way that the medical community um, does treat these these unborn babies with outstanding patient rights.
1: It's all about the rights. There's mm-hmm. rights. That are given to us by God. It's the role of good government and good leadership to defend those rights that come from God. But there also is informed consent. And we're going to talk about some amazing surgery. We're taught in medical school one of the first lessons is a term, it's Latin, it's primo non no seri, which is first do no harm. We're going to give you scalpels, give you radiation, give you chemotherapy, robots. You're going to use these tools, but don't cause any harm. But we also learn about Patients' rights, more than half of the states actually have patients' bills of rights to give them respect and bodily integrity. In fact, when it comes to patients' rights, one of the tools we'll ask people when they're discussing something with a patient or somebody who is running for office is ask that politician, Are you an advocate for patients' rights? Well, what are they going to say? They're always going to say, Well, yes, I am. Well, and then you say, Well, what if the patient wasn't born in the United States? And they're still going to say, Why, well, yes, I am. What if that patient wasn't born in the United States yet? And that's the real key. These are clearly our patients in the womb. And when it comes to informed consent, I want you to think about this while we're talking about some of these fetal surgeries. Informed consent is you don't do a surgery unless you review the risks, benefits, indications, and alternatives. Well, if we are doing a surgery, somebody has to benefit, but there always is going to be some risk. When we're doing fetal surgery and the mom is getting anesthesia, mom is getting incisions, we're opening her womb. Does she have risk? Yeah. She has risk with anesthesia. She has risk of bleeding. She has risk of infection. She has risk of having to get a C section for the next, you know, pregnancy. What are the benefits to the mom? There are no benefits at all. You don't do surgery unless a patient is going to benefit. Who benefits? It's the baby. We've just defined that the baby is a beneficiary. In fact, on CNN, Dr. Sanjay Gupta was doing a a report on one of the cases we're going to talk about, actually a brain surgery on a baby in the womb to repair something called a galen malformation. And the specifics aren't important, but what is important is Sanjay Gupta is for the most part, a really smart doctor and neurosurgeon. And even Sanjay Gupta was talking about this case and said, when it comes to fetal surgery, we take two patients to the operating room. He just proved my point that the babies in the womb are patients and patients have rights. One of the best examples of patients' rights and how we treat the pre as patients as they have rights is actually was performed two years ago at the Cleveland Clinic. A baby was diagnosed in the womb with a tumor in its heart called a teratoma. And this tumor, this teratoma was growing so fast that it was going to kill the baby if they didn't do something. Well, option number one was to to deliver the baby at 27 weeks gestation and then do surgery. But now we have a 27-week preemie that just had open heart surgery. The doctors at the Cleveland Clinic said, look, we have another option. And this is what they did. They took option number two. First, mom had an anesthesiologist and mom received an epidural. So mom is comfortable from the chest down and mom is wide awake and looking around and talking. And when she was comfortable, the OB made an incision in her skin, made a second incision in the womb, in her uterus, and then brought out the baby's right arm and brought out the baby's left arm to expose the baby's chest so they could do the heart surgery. Well, why did they bring the arms out? Because then they cued the pediatric anesthesiologist to come in, who actually started an IV in the baby's hand, gave the baby IV fluids, but also was given the baby tiny doses of fentanyl to give the baby pain control and a paralytic called Norcuron so the baby wasn't moving around during the surgery. Once the baby was under anesthesia, then they cued the pediatric cardiothoracic team, who then came in made an incision in the baby's chest, opened the baby's chest, started operating on the baby's heart, which of course is still beating. They removed this tumor. Almost immediately, the baby's heart started to pump normally. And it was functioning like, thank you for not having this tumor pressing and compressing on me anymore. And once it was pumping normally, they then closed the baby's chest, They then removed the IV, they tucked the hands back on the inside, they closed the uterus, the womb, they closed the skin. Did they deliver the baby the next day at 27 weeks and one day? No. Did they deliver the baby one week later at 28 weeks? No. They delivered that baby 10 weeks later at 37 weeks gestation. So if we can do open heart surgery, have a baby has its own anesthesiologist, And then deliver the baby 10 weeks later? Was that baby a patient? Yes. And patients have rights. When I do a hysterectomy on a woman, does my mom get an anesthesiologist? Yes. Does the uterus, which I'm about to remove, get its own anesthesiologist? No. Why? Because the uterus is part of the mom. Why did the baby get its own anesthesiologist? Because the mom was comfortable. The baby got its own anesthesiologist because the baby is a different Person separate from the mom. So when somebody says it's my body, it's my choice. No, the baby's a separate person there on the inside. The woman's body is an amazing life support system for that baby, but is a separate person. That baby was delivered at 37 weeks gestation. They named the baby Ryland. And was that a patient on the inside? Absolutely. Was that a patient that had rights? Yes. Because a patient is a person no matter how small. And we had over three dozen individuals, doctors, nurses, techs, anesthesiologists, all working to save the life of both the mom and the baby. That is healthcare. Abortion is not healthcare. You heard Bernie Sanders say abortion is healthcare. It's not healthcare. You had two heartbeats go into this room with the baby with getting open heart surgery. Two heartbeats came out. What's abortion? two heartbeats go into the room, one heartbeat came out. If you are losing the heartbeats and the lives of half of your patients, that is not healthcare, that is not medicine. What they performed at the Cleveland Clinic, that is healthcare at its highest level.
0: I, it is such um, an easy way to digest that and to think about it that way and um, you know I pray that others uh, do come to to view it that way and to see it um, in such a light It's still hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that OBGYNs who uh, you know are supposed to be spending their time treating these babies as patients trying to save their life doing everything that they can some, some OBGYNs do perform abortions in their office. It's not like you have to necessarily go down the to a Planned Parenthood or an abortion center. You can go into some OBGYN offices and and, and elect to get an abortion in an office where they're supposed to be saving and protecting babies.
1: That's when you know it's a spiritual battle. I mean, you've mm-hmm. spent Four years in college, four years in medical school, four years in residency. Why to have healthy moms and healthy babies? And then to turn around and your goals were healthy moms and healthy babies. But then, you know, I don't know if you know this. There's a a new fellowship that's been out for a few years. And first, let's define what a fellowship is. After the college, the medical school, and the residency, you can opt to do a fellowship and specialize more. And in obstetrics, you can obsess, you can specialize and do a fellowship and High risk obstetrics. You can specialize in GY and oncology, reproductive endocrinology, urogynecology. Well, there's another fellowship, and it's called Complex Family Planning, where after two years of learning how to have healthy moms and healthy babies, you spend two years to learn how to do late term abortions and how to perform selective reductions, where you might have a mom who has triplets or maybe quadruplets, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to help mom out so that she doesn't go into preterm labor and actually selectively abort baby B or baby D, I mean, it's Sophie's choice. So how can you spend your life having healthy moms and healthy babies and then decide you're going to take the lives of babies? That's when you know it's a spiritual battle. And yes, the majority of OBGYNs in the country are pro-abortion, but there's an organization that is called APLOG, the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, aplog.org. There are 60,000 OBGYNs in the country, board-certified, licensed, capable of practicing obstetrics and gynecology. We have 7,000 members of APLOG, board-certified OBGYNs who say, I have the gravitas, I have the training, and I have experience to let you know that these babies in the womb are not just a blob of tissue. These are our patients, and they are actively taking a stand. I'm, I'm proud to be a life member of APLOG. And when you see an injustice. If there's an injustice in one place, there's an injustice in every place. And we are trying to use our knowledge, our experience, our status, our gravitas to stand up and defend God's pre-born in the womb. But it is a spiritual battle. What is abortion at its core foundation? You've seen with the attacks going on in Israel. You see people burning the Israeli flag. You see people burning the American flag. Well, what good does it do to burn the Israeli flag or the American flag? The American flag and the Israeli flag represent the image of the United States or of the nation of Israel. If you hate Israel or you hate the United States, you want to destroy the image that represents Israel or the United States. What is the baby in the womb? genesis 126 says that after god had created all of the universe all the galaxies the planets the stars put a little extra time in the in on earth all the mountains all the streams all the rivers all the mammals all the birds all the fish but then after all that god said let us make man in our image well we don't represent the image of god on our birthday we represent the image of god At that moment of conception, we are created in the image of God. So at its core foundation, abortion is a spiritual battle. It is a representation of people's hatred for God. And if you hate something, you want to destroy the image that uh, represents. So if you hate God, you want to destroy the image of God, which is what abortion is at its core basic foundation.
0: That is a beautiful way of of describing it. And I think, too, to add to that is that you also are worshiping the God of self over uh, the almighty God who created you and that baby in your womb. And so you're you're choosing yourself over God and over the life that he creates um, in many instances as well. We'll talk more with Dr. William Lyle, pro-life OBGYN in just a moment here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Grayson presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for tuning in to this best of episode as we head into the holidays. I want to make sure and remind you to go to shotdead.org and view our recent documentary. You need to stand up for the kids because it takes everyone. That is a quote from the film from Father Ernest Ramirez who lost his 16-year-old son five days after the Pfizer shot. See how his heartbreaking story weaves together with other stories from parents who have lost their babies and their children to this shot at shotdead.org. and. We are currently battling censorship. They have tried to censor this film. They took it off YouTube immediately. They are shadow banning us across social media and even a little bit on Rumble. So please, the biggest thing that you can do for us this Christmas season is to share. Just simply share shotdead.org. Take out your phone right now. Text the website to a friend and have them watch it. Please help us save the kids. Welcome back in to the show and welcome back in for our final segment, Dr. William Lyle, pro-life OBGYN, talking about this spiritual battle uh, behind abortion and, and wanting to end the image, in uh, the life of those that are created in the image of God of these unborn babies and how patient rights, everyone has patient rights, including the unborn, how that Further um, talks and and emphasizes the fact that all of these um, babies are sacred. All life is sacred, and so I appreciate you standing up and and sharing the information about um, the 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 organizations that people can follow that are pro life OBGYNs. You also have your own um, website, ProLifeDoc.org, org, where people can find you as well. Um, you know what what is the one um, turning point that you think could be for some of these doctors that you that we talked about that we don't understand how they practice all of this um, medicine on how to save babies and women for years in medical school. And then all of a sudden they change course and they decide to practice on how to end the lives of babies um, electively in the womb. What is it this topic of patient rights? What is it that really, you know, with someone who has a scientific brain that you can get across to them, how to break down the fact that that is a patient with a right to life?
1: Well, having a discussion with them like we've been having a discussion, that's gonna not affect them because they already know this information. They're taking care of these moms and these babies. The most effective tool, it's gonna sound real simple. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that changes hearts, it's the gospel that changes minds, it's the gospel that changes behavior. I mean, when you look at the gospel, I mean, the good news of Jesus coming, loving us all enough that he came, he lived a perfect life, he gave his life for us, and three days later he conquered death and rose again for all sinners. Well, when are we sinners? He did that for all sinners. And we know in Romans 5:8, we're all sinners. Well, what does it tell us in Psalm fifty-one, five? It says, and we were sinners from the time my mothers conceived us. So if God loved the pre-born from the moment of conception of that he sent his son for all sinners, then we really need to defend the lives of God's pre-born. And it's the gospel that brings healing. There are millions of moms and dads, because every pregnancy involves a guy as well, millions of moms and dads who are hurting. They know they were pregnant. They felt that joy. And they, for whatever reason, went through and they had an abortion. And, you know, Paul tells us, forget about those, or I'm from New Jersey. He says, forget about what those things that are in the past and press on towards what's ahead. There was a study that was done by LifeWay, sponsored uh, by CareNet, and it looked at different congregations to see how many of the men and the women in a congregation had personally been involved with an abortion in their past. The most conservative congregations it was 18%. Yet there are other congregations where it was high as 24%. This is a spiritual battle against the image of God. And yes, it's great to have obstetricians involved in defending the babies. It's great to have politicians involved in defending the babies. But this is a spiritual battle. So, who should be leading this battle? It needs to be our pastors, our priests, and our rabbis that are leading the battle for the spiritual, because it is destroying moms and dads. You have all these millions of moms and dads who are hurting. They did something wrong and they don't realize that they are hurting for this and they have regrets. I guarantee they might, some people say, I don't regret my abortion. In their deepest part, they know that they have regrets about that. But there is healing and healing comes from forgiveness and true forgiveness only comes through christ so that's why the gospel is really the important thing and this needs to be led by our pastors we are here to give some training and some education to the pastors on how to discuss the issue of abortion from the pulpit that number one they have 20 percent of their congregation which is hurting because of abortion in their past Is that a a sin? Absolutely. Have I sinned? Yes. Have I done things and said things that I regret? Absolutely. And that's the same thing. But how do you start that healing? You start it with recognizing that that is a sin. It was forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we want to move on and to celebrate how we can serve the kingdom of our Lord.
0: I love that grace is such um, a much needed part of these conversations and um, a much needed path forward to to ev- for everyone and especially for people that need to heal, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally from this. Do you have women that come into your practice or know of women that are needing to physically heal as well from abortion in order to have? healthy pregnancies, uh, menstrual cycles, you name it, um, healthy lifestyles moving forward. I mean, abortion um, can be a hard thing for the body to undergo.
1: Sure, and we're seeing more complications now with the advent of the abortion pill. And a lot of people don't even know the difference between the, the abortion pill and the morning after pill. They're very different. The morning after pill is indicated to force a woman to have a menstrual cycle the morning after she has had intercourse and it's still wrong in its own way but it's very different from the abortion pill the abortion pill is indicated for you know stopping and killing a baby in the womb not the morning after but 70 mornings afterwards 10 weeks and it will 98 percent of the time kill a baby that is in the womb But now that you have the abortion pill in a lot of states available, mail order, without even having an ultrasound done, moms really don't know how far along they are. And what we also have is we have moms who are taking the pill at 12 weeks, 14, 16 weeks. It might kill the baby, but mom's not going to be able to pass that pregnancy. And then they have to have surgery to have that pregnancy removed. But there's a lot of trauma that is involved emotionally and physically with this. And the other thing, is lives are at risk. Yes, the abortion pill will kill a baby 98% of the time. But Let me give you another statistic. The number one pregnancy-related cause of death in the first trimester of pregnancy is a ruptured tubal or ectopic pregnancy, and that occurs 1% of the time. So when somebody is just calling the doctor or just going online saying, I have a positive pregnancy test, I need the abortion pill 1% of the time, that pregnancy is going to be not in the uterus, but it's going to be in the tube. When a woman takes the abortion pill or has it mailed to her, she is told you take this pill and then you're gonna take another pill the next day and you can expect to have bleeding, cramping and pain. Well, what are the symptoms of an ectopic pregnancy which is rupturing and blowing out? The exact same, it is bleeding, cramping and pain. Women are dying, women are getting hurt. Because of the abortion pill. And now more than 54% of all the abortions in the United States are performed with the abortion pill. But what a lot of women don't know is the mechanism. The abortion pill works by stopping a very important hormone called progesterone. Progesterone, it's a big word. What is it short for? It is a progestational steroid hormone. This is the hormone a woman's body releases when she is newly pregnant and it says, okay, we got a new full-time job. We want more nutrition to the uterus, more blood supply. We're going to relax the uterus. We're going to have a new full-time job supporting the pregnancy. When you block progesterone, you block the support for the baby. The abortion pill blocks that hormone. But we have been very successfully in, in safely reversing the effect of the abortion pill, where we have a healthy mom and a healthy baby. How? If the abortion pill is lowering the the progesterone levels, we just give them bioidentical, the exact same hormone, progesterone, that we give them to bring it back up. We have a nationwide network of physicians, over 500 physicians, and we have documented safely and successfully for both the mom and the baby, reversing the effect of the abortion pill 4,500 times. I've attempted reversal 19 times myself And I've been completely successful 15 out of those 19 times, which is absolutely a thrill as an obstetrician to have a baby that was going to die. And then you used a little bit of science and a lot of prayer and you've safely reversed that effect. But it's an amazing ministry coast to coast, but the abortion pill is where most of the abortions are being performed, but it is not safe. There are dangers involved.
0: Wow. Wow. That praise the Lord for you being able to save uh, those babies. And thank you for explaining that. I don't think that once again, women are getting informed consent um, whenever they are opting to take the abortion pill. Dr. William Lyle, we thank you so much for your time today uh, to record this episode with us and for all the work that you do. Again, you can check him out at ProLifeDoc.org. We'll also put the links to um, the various organizations, pro-life organizations that you mentioned here today as well. Thank you so much for your time.
1: You're welcome.
0: If you enjoy our content, prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation at WeThePatriotsUSA.org, so we can continue to power the education arm of our mission that also extends to work to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. God bless and thank you from everyone here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson presented by We the Patriots USA. We the Patriots USA does not endorse or recommend any product or service advertised on this program. We the Patriots USA
1: is not a health care provider and cannot provide medical advice or treatment.